Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of No Limits with Gary and Mac here on StateHornet.com. I am podcast staffer Mac Irvin III and I'm joined as always by my good friend and co-host Gary Singh. Gary, how you doing today? What's up? What's happening? What's good with Mac Irvin III? Man, you know, we've been kind of busy. This is our second podcast in as many days. <laughs> right, right, right. We have another great guest on today too as well. That's right. We brought... Reporter with ABC 10, Kevin John, he's going to join us and talk about pro sports. Kevin, how are you doing today? Uh, Mac, I am doing all right, man. I woke up this morning, I have great health, and I'm smiling, so there's not a lot to complain about, you know. And it's uh, it's been a very crazy last 24 hours. I got my second vaccine shot, so I'm a little fatigued, and I also had to work late last night. So a little exhausted, man, but hey, I'm, I'm happy to be here because some people didn't wake up this morning, so I count right? my blessings. The machine keeps going. Mm-hmm. There you go. But, you know, sometimes, you know, we have to realize we're not machines. We're human beings. Yeah. And we can follow because I think I'm a machine sometimes. And then my body will tell me, uh-uh, bruh. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I wanted to start it off this podcast by, you know, getting a little introduction to you. Do you mind telling us, like, simple question, where are you from? And just how did you start your journalistic journey? Uh, you know, what jobs you have worked for? And, like, what are you doing now? How long have you been working at ABC10? Absolutely. So I'm originally from a nice city called Stockton. Uh, It's about an hour or so south of Sacramento. So I was born and raised in Stockton. Really uh, had a great upbringing there. Uh, Stockton's not everything that you see in the news and on documentaries and stuff like that. It's actually a really nice town. But with any city, you're going to have adversity. You're going to have crime. You're going to have all kinds of things. So I'm proud to be from Stockton. Uh, It's an incredible place. I graduated from Stockton in the year, uh, or excuse me, I graduated from high school in the year 2000, uh, which was probably before you guys were born. So God, Lee, I'm old. But yeah, so right after graduating from high school, I actually moved out of Stockton. I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. That's where I went to undergrad. Shout out to Morehouse College. So, um, you know, it's funny. I was just, uh, you know, before the show, I was talking to Mac and I was telling him that, you know, it's okay to not know what you want to do with your life this young, because when I was an undergrad, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. You know, like, like most kids growing up, Gary, I, I wanted to be an athlete. You know, that was, I was focused on being an athlete. I wanted to be a left fielder for the San Francisco Giants. And then by the time I got into like the ninth grade and I realized that I could not hit a slider, fastball, curveball, sinker, and my batting average was like 102, I was like, okay, maybe the Major League Baseball thing is not going to work out for me. So I redirected my attention to basketball. I got cut from one of the teams. I was like, okay, that's not going to work. Then football, I only weighed like 90 pounds soaking wet with boots. So clearly that wasn't going to happen for me. So, you know, once I realized that my athletic dreams would not come true, it's like, all right, what am I going to do with my life? So um, that's when I went off to college. Probably not the best thing to do when you don't know what you want to do with your life is go to an expensive school. But hey, (laughs) I was like, what the heck? And granted, I did receive a scholarship there, so that made things a little different. But uh, yeah, so I, went, I ended up going to Morehouse. I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I switched my major around around six, seven times, maybe eight times, uh, because I, I just did not know what my, my concentration was. So I started off majoring in, I think, business, didn't really like that, switched my major to like, I don't know, economics, then switched it to performing arts, because I enjoy performing arts. I've always enjoyed theater. So... To make a long story short, I ended up graduating with a degree in theater because I just had to graduate in four years. That's the way that my scholarship was. 
So after graduating, I stayed in Atlanta for a little while. I did some professional theater there. And then I decided to move to Los Angeles to pursue a career in entertainment. So while I was living in LA, I worked as a actor, a host, a writer, director, producer, uh, pretty much any and everything that I can do within the entertainment industry. And I really grew some tough skin there. It definitely, uh, I guess you could say it matured me and it strengthened my character like never before. You know, uh, it, it's the city of rejection. You know, you get more rejection than you get acceptance. So you just kind of got to be used to getting rejected. Um, so, yes. So uh, while being in L.A. for pursuing all of that, I also worked on the uh, on the side. I worked as a substitute teacher and as a DJ. Uh, so that was kind of how I helped supplement my income in between finding gigs. So how did I get into journalism? Well, after being in L.A. for about 10, 11 years and struggling. And when I say struggling, I mean, you know, top ramen for dinner, top ramen for breakfast. Uh, if, I, if I'm lucky, a hot dog for lunch, um, you know, ketchup packets that you would get at like in and out and trying to make something out of that. Uh, it, it, the struggle was real. Uh, I mean, I'm blessed that I was always able to keep a roof over my head, a roof over my head. But, you know, I got to a point where I was like, all right, I've been out here 10, 11 years continuously pursuing this. I'm not getting anywhere. You know, you know, the hamster that keeps running in a circle. I, I felt like I was working hard, but I just was not getting anywhere. I look up and I'm like, man, it's, it's not happening. But you also have to realize too, in cities like Los Angeles or New York or Atlanta, Chicago, where you have a lot of competition, it's not going to be easy. And I think that's the one thing I did not really know going into it. Not to say I thought I was just going to move out there on a Saturday and become a star by Friday. You know, I, I knew that obviously it would take time, but you don't realize how competitive it is and just how much of a, and I hate saying this word or two words, but I'm going to say it anyway, uh, a pipe dream kind of that it is. So, uh, so yeah, after a while, after being out there 11 years, I was like, okay, this whole entertainment thing is not working for me, but I, I, I love talking, you know, and I didn't even say this, but when I was in college, I did speech and debate. You know, anything oratorically, I always excelled in. So I was like, you know, I like, I like public speaking. I enjoy telling stories. That's what being an actor is. Well, you're performing stories, but the same thing. So I was like, you know, where can I still utilize my gifts of speaking, telling stories, making an impact? And that's kind of where I transitioned into journalism. So there was a online network in LA that was just that had hosts. They were always uh, recruiting hosts for some of their shows. So I ended up going there for a couple of years and I started off as an entertainment host. So I would cover movie premieres, red carpet events, uh, things of that sort. And then they opened up a sports division there. And then that's where I started as a sports host. So then to make a long story short, I ended up putting my, all of my reels together, or excuse me, all of my content together. I made a reel. It's a crappy reel, terrible reel. I, I cringe when I look back at that reel today, but I made a reel and I sent it out to all the stations. As you, and as you guys know from being in journalism, you know there's so many stations across the nation as far as when it comes to DMA, the market. I think there's like 214 now. I, I lost track. So I literally sent my reel to over 200 stations across the nation. And I heard back from four, four out of like, I don't know, probably a thousand that I sent it to. The four that I heard back from, Omaha, Nebraska, Jacksonville, Florida, Little Rock, Arkansas, and Victoria, Texas. 
and uh, I ended up getting hired in Little Rock. Uh, that was the first place I, I went to go work, and they hired me as a sports anchor. So I was in Little Rock for about a year as a sports anchor. Really enjoyed the job, and then I was looking for a new challenge, and from there I went to Tyler, Texas, where I was also a sports anchor and reporter for that station. I was in Texas for about two years, two and a half, yeah, a little over two years, and then I got the job here in Sacramento, and uh, I moved here a few years ago, or does it, uh, about two and a half years ago I moved here, and here at the station I work as a, a host, a, a reporter, I, uh, like I was just telling Mac, I do sports as well, or fill in, shall I say, so do a little bit of everything there, and I work on the morning show, so that, in a nutshell, that's like my 10-minute bio story. I'm sure I left a lot out, but you, I don't want to bore you guys. No, you're not boring me at all. I like I want to ask so many questions just after that bio blast right there. But I think one thing you know initially stuck out was man, you changed your major fight. Well, you said six, seven times. You still got it in four years. Props to you because I know people. You know, once you change it once, it adds. It feels like it adds in like another year. So that's good for you. You know that journey. I can totally tell. You know, you can see it like helped you along each path of your way. So you know, great to hear. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, it, I was blessed to be able to finish in four years, and that's why I had to finally just pick a major because my scholarship was for four years. If I went any, you know, longer than that, that would have to come out of my pocket. So, fortunately, I was able to to make it happen. I do have a question about uh, all the different places you work. You know, you mentioned Little Rock and Tyler. How difficult is it to kind of just like pick up and move across the country for jobs like this? Mac, that's a really good question. You know, one of the things that I tell a lot of journalists that want to get into this field, and it's anything, whether you're a print journalist, broadcast journalist, any kind of medium, you have to be okay with moving. Because the, this is one of those fields that you have to go to where the job's at. The job's not going to come to where you're at. So you have to be comfortable with moving. And a lot of young broadcast journalists say, well, I don't want to move. I want to stay here. And I understand that. I mean, there's nothing more comfortable than being at home. You know, it's hard for anybody just to pick up and go to a city they've never been before, which I've done twice, uh, three times actually. So <clears throat> it's hard to do that. And I understand that, but I think it just comes down to, is it what you want to do? And are you willing to make those sacrifices to get there? It's kind of like that quote, you know, to obtain something that, what is it? Actually, I'm butchering it right now. If you want something, if you want something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. And I think that's, that, that, that rings true in this, in this field. You're going to have to be okay with being uncomfortable. You're going to have to be okay with taking chances, taking risks, uh, putting yourself in situations that may be uncomfortable. But, you know, I say this, you know, that's, that's where growth comes from. You know, nothing ever grows from a comfort zone. Um, nothing. So, you know, be okay with taking chances and moving. Now, obviously, you know, I'm a huge mental health advocate. So if you're going to be somewhere where you're unhappy, you know, that's not worth it. You know, I definitely don't want you to move to Butte, Montana or Fargo, North Dakota. Or, by the way, nothing wrong with Butte, Montana or Fargo, North Dakota. I'm sure they're great places. But for California people, that may be a bit of a stretch. So... I always say just just be okay with moving if you really want to do it because chances are you're not you, chances are your first job that you get in journalism will not be in your home city 
Now it can be, you know, everybody's journey is different and there's no rule. It's very well possible. You guys can both land big jobs here in Sacramento. Actually, I hope you do. So you don't have to move all over the place to Little Rock, Arkansas or Tyler, Texas, or some of these places. But, um, but yeah, you know, be, be, be okay with moving. You know, you have to think of it like this. We, um, we, the NFL draft just happened this weekend. People get drafted. One of the first things that they do, Trevor Lawrence, he went first overall. Within 24 hours, he was on a private plane out to Jacksonville, Florida, which is going to be his new home, at least for the foreseeable future. And it's the same thing. Think of your guys in the NFL draft or the NBA draft. Once a team picks you, you have to get up and move. I mean, it's, it's as simple as possible. You can't say, oh, sorry, general manager, I want you to build the stadium right here in my hometown and bring everybody here. No, you, you got to go to where it's at. And it's the same thing with this job. Yeah, I think that was a great way you said it too, especially, you know, go for your chances when you know, when you have them. So I think that was great, you know, words to preach to us, especially young journalists, you know, kind of like you said, and kind of need to have the open mind because, you know, I've always also thought like, you know, you want to stay home, like you said, you got to go to wherever the opportunity the opportunities are for you. So, yeah, but I wanted to also ask you, you know, another question from like you explaining your journey as well, like, you kind of going into that, you know, L.A. entertainment world, how do you think that built you or what skill set did you build to kind of like help you in the sports anchor, which is like, you know, like the talking might be the same, but maybe like the content might be totally different, which you've been focused on, you know, the first part of your life. So how did you kind of use those skill sets to really help you get that first gig maybe? Good question, Gary. Well, the thing you have to realize is that sports anchoring in itself is a form of entertainment. You know, we, we some of the best sportscasters that you guys can probably name, whether on television or on radio or whatever medium podcast, they're entertaining. That's why you tune into them. You know, whether it's Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, uh, Ma Max Kellerman, whoever it is, you tune into these people because A, you love their perspective, you love their opinion. Uh, B, you value their opinion and their perspective and their knowledge. And C, they're entertaining to you. And I think that from moving from entertainment, really entertainment and journalism in the way, well, I'll say from a business perspective, it's, still, it's pretty similar. You have to put up a quality product that people are going to tune into and watch. You have to. And to be successful, whether it's journalism, whether it's, whether it's print, you have to put up a product that people wanna read. You know, And I think it's the same thing with entertainment. You have to do something that captivates an audience, that compels an audience, and leaves them wanting more, wanting to see more, wanting to read more. And you know, that, that's really how they're transferable. So when I transitioned into sports anchoring, it was the same thing. It was like, okay, you, you, you have to perform in a way and have to come up with a product that people want to see. Now, the good news with broadcasting is like, well, you know, it's not like a movie where every time people tune in, it, you know, they're gonna leave. But in a way it is, you know, there's times people will turn on your station and in the first 10 minutes, if they don't like what they're seeing, they're going to turn somewhere else or look somewhere else. And I think I learned that in entertainment, that it's very important to do quality work and to do something that an audience wants and being able to understand and know your audience. And that's the same thing with, with sports anchoring. You have to know your audience. Um, so I think that's, I think that's critical. Uh, in any form or facet that you get in. Yeah, that's something our teacher always preaches us too. You know, know your audience and know what your audience wants. So I, we, I know I totally understand that right there. Mac? Yeah, and speaking of what our audience wants, I think they want to hear us talk about 
the NFL draft that happened for the past three days. So, you know, Kevin, I'll ask you, were there any picks throughout this draft, not even necessarily the first round, but any picks in the draft that were just like standout surprises to you or ones that impressed you a lot? I'll say this, and just because he's a local guy, Ian Book going in the fourth round to the New Orleans Saints. Um, Book is a heck of a quarterback. You know, he, he did some amazing things at Notre Dame, all-time winningest quarterback in the history of Notre Dame. But a lot of scouts were concerned about his size, were concerned about his arm strength, uh, were concerned about his ability to have success on the next level. So I thought Book wasn't going to go into maybe round six or round seven or be an undrafted uh, free agent who got a, a tryout uh, for a camp. So when I saw him go in the fourth round yesterday and to, to New Orleans of all places, that was exciting and, and, and shocking at the same time because he gets an opportunity to compete for a starting job in New Orleans. And the nice thing is Book, he looks up to Drew Brees, who's another undersized quarterback who just retired, obviously, from New Orleans. And he gets to compete for that quarterback position against, what, Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. So it'll be really nice to see him in that system and to see him do well. So I think that was the biggest shock to me because I didn't think that he was going to go until later in the, um, the draft. Another one I guess kind of shocked was uh, Justin Fields. I thought Justin Fields was going to be one, two, or three, but we saw with one, two, or three, it was uh, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and then Trey Lance. So I was shocked that Fields, I think Fields went, what, was it 10th or 11th or something like that? But he, um, he, uh, he dropped a little bit because um, I thought for sure he would be – I mean, everyone knew Trevor was going first, but I thought he would be second, if not second, at least third. But you, know, you, you never know with these things, and that's why I like the NFL draft because it's so hard to predict what's going to happen, who's going to fall where, and it just kind of goes to show that NFL scouts don't know everything. So <laughs> That is true. That Saints room is going to be a hectic war room right there, the QB room right there. That's going to be interesting to see who takes – Drew Brees' reign. I think a shocking move might not be by pick by me, but maybe more of like, I really didn't see the Cowboys trading their pick to really anyone because especially the Eagles, like, usually you don't trade within your division and, you know, you gave him the Devontae Smith, so that's going to be a, a hello head scratcher. I know they already know it was a good, I guess, pick because, you know, they still got their guy. They still got the linebacker they wanted just two picks later, but just trading within the division, I don't know if that was the smartest move for them to do. But, hey, they did get an extra uh, first round, uh, extra third-round pick, so I think that was good for them. I think another shocking move was kind of like, I guess that didn't happen in my mind, was the Broncos. I thought the Broncos were going to pick up a quarterback. You know, I thought they maybe could have went for Justin Fields, went up for him, went for some type of quarterback. We know John Elway's been thinking about getting a quarterback, hasn't got it right since Peyton Manning went there. But then again, we all know Aaron Rodgers' uh, name is swirling around that area as well. So I think those two kind of moves in my mind were like, mm, I don't know. I think, you know, should a move should have been made or should not been made. Yeah, it's interesting you say the thing about the Cowboys trading up, uh, what was it, for the 10th spot, I think it was, with the Eagles in order to get Devontae. I, honestly, I thought the Eagles were going to draft a quarterback when they traded up like that. I mean, granted, I understand they have Jalen Hurts on their roster, but, you know, they got rid of Carson Wentz, and you don't know how much, I don't know how much of a believer they are in Jalen Hurts, because remember, towards the end of last season, they benched Jalen Hurts. I think it was week 16 or 17. So I didn't think that they were sold on Jalen as the quarterback of their future. So when I saw them trade up with the Cowboys, I'm like, oh, my God, because at that time, you still had Justin Fields available. You still had Mac Jones available. So you're like, okay, maybe they're going to go. They're, they see that's an opportunity to get a quarterback. Um, 
which they ended up getting Devontae, who's obviously incredible. I mean, a Heisman winner. Um, but yes, I do agree that they traded with someone from their own division because I was like, this would be so funny if the Cowboys uh, ended up trading that pick with the Eagles and then the Eagles end up getting a quarterback that beats the Cowboys or a player that ends up beating the Cowboys. I'm like, you know, what was the, you know, what was the point of that? And um, in regards to the Broncos, yeah, Elway's a smart guy, so I would never question his decision-making. Um, I'm looking at their quarterback depth right um, right now. I, I, I can't I, – I don't – I forgot who is their – Drew Locke. Drew Locke, yeah. And they there, just traded is, for Teddy Bridgewater. That's right. The Teddy Bridgewater trade came in actually on the day of the draft, matter of fact. So, um, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. But, you know, now that the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes are among us, uh, well, which is funny because Packers just said that they, they – um, the Packers GM just said they're committed to – Aaron Rodgers, at least through this season. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Rodgers, where he goes. But I'll tell you this. If John Elway can lure any quarterback to come into his organization, we know he can get A-Rod. So. <laughs> I will I will say uh, the thing, first I'll touch on the Cowboys. I figured they traded back with the Eagles because the two guys they wanted, I figured they were going for a corner, either J.C. Horn or or Patrick Sertain, and they both went eight or nine, and so the Cowboys were left to scramble to try to fill another spot. So I think that's why they ended up trading back with Philadelphia. Um, another th- two things that surprised me in the second round were the linebacker from Notre Dame, Jeremiah Owasu Koromor. He fell. He was projected to go, like, in the top 15, and he fell to 52. Uh, what a fall for him. But he landed in Cleveland, and I think Cleveland's going to be able to use his skill set and his speed there on that defensive side. You know, they're still retaining most of their core from that playoff run last year. So I think they're in a good position. And then Tampa Bay, I knew they were eventually going to pick a quarterback to try to train up to surpass Tom Brady. But I didn't think it was going to be Kyle Trask. I didn't think they were going to be able to get him. I thought somebody else was going to come in and swoop, like maybe Philadelphia, as Kevin mentioned, or maybe Indianapolis. I know they they need probably another quarterback if Wentz because they bought low on Wentz so I'm not sure if they were going to get another quarterback to replace him but yeah those are my three surprises in the draft yeah no I agree and Kyle Trask I mean he he did some incredible things at Florida um I, I don't think Pitts goes fourth overall if it wasn't for tracks uh you know he, he did some incredible things there and I, I he's gonna work in a system he's coming out of uh Trask is coming out of a Dan Mullen system and remember Dan Mullen helped Dak Prescott have success at Mississippi State. Uh, so Trask is a very smart, very smart player. Um, and, you know, you want a smart player training behind another smart player in Tom Brady. So, and it'll be interesting. You know, you mentioned Tampa Bay. They're the only Super Bowl winning team to bring back all 22 starters on offense and defense. So it will be interesting to see how they do. But the thing is, they're getting old. I mean, so there, it's not like they're going to be a dynasty for years to come. I mean, they may have one or two runs left in them. But um, as Max said, you know, that's why they, they drafted a QB because they're starting to look forward or, or look toward the future. 
It's funny that you say that, Kevin. Like, I don't know what was wrong with this year, but it feels like the KC, Kansas City, has been getting better. You know, Tampa Bay is getting better. These teams that usually, you know, I feel like the past, you know, teams usually in the NFL, once they're good, they kind of stick where they're at. They don't really try to push forward. But those two teams really trying to push forward. We kind of see that right now with the uh, Ravens as well, trying to get receivers as well. You know, Bill's also picking up Sanders in the offseason. So, you know, their teams are trying to get better. And that kind of leads us to our next question here, like, What's wrong? Where do you think, you know, these Packers are going? You know, it seems like they're the opposite. They're always content of what they have, and they don't really try to push when they had two great quarterbacks in the last 20 years with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, only two Super Bowl appearances, two Super Bowls to show for it. So what do you think is going to happen? And basically, in my opinion, with all the disrespect they've been showing Aaron Rodgers the last few years. Dude, what do you think? The, what's your whole, you know, story you think on uh, Aaron Rodgers, and what do you think he may, may be going? Well, I think you kind of said it. I think because this organization has been blessed to have two back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks for 20-plus years, 30 years, I guess you say, because Favre came to Green Bay in, what, 93 or 92 or something like that? So they had him for 15 years and then transitioned that Aaron Rodgers, who they had. Many organizations don't have the luxury to even have one quarterback play for that long period of time at a high level. So to have two, I think that they just kind of got complacent with that. Uh, we were talking about the draft. You know, they throughout Aaron Rodgers' tenure there, they only drafted one offensive skilled player in the first round throughout the like that to me is just mind blowing. But it just goes to show that they just, you know, when you have a quarterback that that's good, who, who is that good, you could just kind of relax behind him and say, well, he's Aaron Rodgers, he's going to continue to make things happen. So we don't have to be as concerned or we don't have to move pieces and do all this other stuff. Look at Mike McCarthy. He was able to sit behind Aaron Rodgers for what, eight years, nine years before he finally got uh, fired in uh, Green Bay. So I, I think the problem is, is when you have a player that dynamic um, and quarterback play that dynamic, it's easy just to get complacent and to kind of take that player for granted. And I think that Green Bay is just taking Aaron Rodgers for granted because he's just a magician at what he does. I mean, look at last year. They went 13-3. and Aaron Rodgers is, is the MVP. So they're probably going back in. They're like, oh, we had another successful year. Granted, obviously, they didn't get to the playoff. I mean, excuse me, uh, to the Super Bowl. But the thing is, is that you have a disgruntled Aaron Rodgers because he doesn't feel that the team has done anything in order to truly help him. How many weapons have they uh, truly, truly given him? You know, um, you know, you. I mean, yes, of course, you're going to have some, um, you know, he's always had pretty good receivers to work with, but he also makes his receivers better, though, too. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to look at this. Aaron Rodgers knows that his window is closing as far as if he's going to get back to another Super Bowl or win another Super Bowl. He's, what, 37 or 38 now? I, I, um, but he's, 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 in, he's approaching his high 30s, so he knows his window is closing. And I think he just feels like he's been taken advantage of. So he wants out. It's kind of like, for example, if you've been in a relationship with a girl for the last nine years and she doesn't do anything to help, uh, you know, to, to help out the relationship, she just sits back and lets you do everything because you're an amazing dude. After a while, you're going to get tired of it and be like, hey, look, it's a partnership here. It's, it's, it's both of us working together on the same, working toward the same goal. I feel like I'm giving 80 and you're giving 20, you know? We need to both be, be given 100 or 50-50, whatever. So I think it's the thing where Aaron Rodgers just feels that he's been given 80 and the Packers organization has been given 20. And you have a quarterback that, that, that's that dynamic and you're successful every year. 
you don't really look at, okay, what can we do to change things? It's like, all right, well, we're just successful every year because of Aaron Rodgers. So let Aaron Rodgers leave the Packers and see what they end up going next year. You look at their record next year. I say that at best they're six and 10 without him. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but I understand Aaron's frustration because he's been there for what, 12 years or 13. I, I lost track and it just hasn't really other, other than like you said, the one Super Bowl win and what was that? 2010 or 2011 nothing much to show for it you know you know i was watching uh his guest hosting run on jeopardy and you know that's been one of the things among jeopardy fans to try to predict who's going to be the next host and i would always discount aaron Rodgers because i was like well he's got a full-time gig already as a quarterback so he won't he wouldn't become the full-time host of jeopardy well uh it's starting to look more and more plausible <laughs> as the frustration grows with the Packers organization that's true. I mean, and it's funny you say that because Aaron Rodgers, to my, I was reading reports yesterday on ESPN, I think it was Adam Schefter, that said that Aaron would consider retiring as well if, you know, this situation in Green Bay doesn't get rectified or if he doesn't land on a better team. So, I mean, if he does retire, hey, why not land in jeopardy? Or, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Aaron will have a million jobs that he can do after the NFL. And plus, he just got engaged. So uh, he's going to start a family because I don't even think he has any kids. So maybe he's looking forward to just starting a family and all the other. I'll put it like this. Aaron Rodgers has a gazillion things he can do outside of the National Football League. So we'll see what happens. But he's such a gift. He's, uh, you know, just such a treasure to the league. Exactly, Kevin. And it's funny. I want to comment on two things you did say. I feel like the two things, the funniest things about this whole situation to me was timing because he did it on draft night you know when they last year they drafted jordan love and you know i think he kind of threw a wrench in their whole plan you know are right, you guys want to mess with me you guys want to like basically have a plan on my backup you know when i leave i'm going to throw a wrench in this plan i'm going to hurry up this whole plan and change up the whole dynamic and it's funny like you said too like yesterday all the management like we love aaron we want to keep aaron but that's not what you were singing last year so you know it's funny how they changed their tone on that and then like also you mentioned like no skill position players drafted within the last 10 years. And it's like, you'd think their defense would be great, but as you see in the Super Bowl, the defense is not great. It usually gives up 30 and losses and playoff losses. So that's funny to see. I just want to mention the teams I thought maybe he could go to. You know, like he already mentioned, 49ers, I feel like maybe too hard to go to right now. But it could be a three-way trade. The Raiders will look nice, but I don't know if they're really built fully yet for Aaron Rodgers. I know the Broncos has been a big, major talk around town that that might be already happened. I know I've been seeing uh, Mike Schefter saying that too as well. And I think, you know, I didn't mention, I don't want to hear what your team is too. I don't know your uh, personal preference of your team. I'm a Steelers fan, so I have a pipe dream with the Steelers because I feel like we got a good defense. You know, we got a good back now. We got a good uh, receiving core. We need to fix the offensive line, so... Oh, that's my pipe gene right there. But what is your football team, and what are like your top three teams you think Aaron Rodgers is going to, Kevin? I love you said that's my my pipe dream. <laughs> but you got to realize with the Steelers, the cornerstone of the Steelers' success have always been their defense. They've mm -hmm. always been known for their defense. And, uh, you know, they actually got a local kid at running back, Najee Harris, at Antioch High School, who will be, be uh, in the Steelers' backfield. So they'll be exciting to watch this year. Um but yeah, uh, you know, the top three teams that I can see Aaron going to, um, one, I would say the 49ers. And I just say that because Kyle Shanahan has a brilliant offensive mind. And I think him and Aaron Rodgers will, uh, you know, will, will, will mesh well. Now, obviously, what are they going to do with Trey Lance? Maybe they can have him as, use him as collateral or something in order to get Aaron Rodgers over there. Um, so I can definitely see uh, Aaron Rodgers. And plus, Aaron Rodgers is from Northern California. 
So, you know, I'm sure it'd be a dream come true for him to come back and play for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, another team I'll throw out there uh, is the is the Colts, actually. And I say that because um, I don't know how sold they are on Carson Wentz. Um, you know, it could be a career rejuvenation for Wentz. Um, I, I just I, I just really don't know because I think that's a really talented team. Um, I mean, you saw when Phillip Rivers was there last year, they were still pretty competitive and, and talent throughout the end. Uh, I believe they got a wild card slot, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, you know, it's still a great team. They still have great pieces. And really, since Andrew Luck left the Colts, they've still been a talented team. They've just been really missing a strong quarterback there. And um, I can definitely see him coming there. Um, another team I, I'll, I'll throw out there is... You know, I, I say the Raiders because I know that uh, Gruden loves him some Aaron Rodgers, and Gruden is really prides himself on being a quarterback's coach. So, um, and the Raiders, you know, I'll say it, I don't think they've always been sold to, to Derek Carr. Um, you know, Derek has had, you know, his success has been kind of inconsistent. Uh, the last, I mean, he had that great season, what was that, 2016, I want to say, where he was having that MVP-like season, and then he got injured in the playoffs or right before that. But um, the Raiders, that's another team that I really feel is on the the come up. And they're just a really good quarterback away from being a, a Super Bowl contender. So I wouldn't be shocked if they tried to pull some strings to get Rodgers to to uh, to to, to uh, Las Vegas. I mean, it, it, it'll, it, it'll be. An, and then, of course, the Broncos. I mean, I, you can never count the Broncos. Whenever John Elway is there, you can never count them out. So. It'll be interesting to see. The only reason I say the Niners are no longer in a position for the Aaron Rodgers chase is because, simply put, they don't have the assets right now. Unless they're giving away, like, five-star players of the team. You know, they've given up their first-round pick for the next two years. So it doesn't feel like they have the assets to pull that off. And the Packers, who are apparently enamored with Jordan Love, I don't know what Trey Lance does for them if they decide to try to throw Trey Lance in that deal. So I would, that's why I would say the Niners are out as of right now, but I know my mom is holding out hope. So, right. I think we all are. That is, that is true. And yeah, you're right. I mean, we'll see what, um, what Jordan love, uh, what he has. And like you said, that the, obviously they, they drafted him last year. They're, they, they're believers in him, but, um, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting. It'll really be interesting to see. I would say this too, you know, there were reports earlier this year that Russell Wilson was looking to get out of Seattle. Um, obviously, I don't think that really materialized. I think there were four teams he was looking to go to and he's still there. But if for whatever reason, Russell did get out of Seattle, I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, uh, the makeup uh, pass for, for Rodgers there. So we'll, I don't know, we'll see. Kevin, you see Matt Kay go down? That's because he's a Seahawks fan. <laughs> oh man, dude, it's... it's yeah. <laughs> It's been it's been brutal there recently, man. There's, I, I can't. I mean, I'm a huge fan of DK Metcalf. I'll tell you that, man. Yeah, he, he's one of the lone bright spots. But, but yeah, I, I you know that's another. I, I honestly look at Russell Wilson and Seattle kind of like an Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay situation. You know, Russell Wilson has kind of really carried that organization the last what four years, five years or so. I mean, he because think about it. When Russell Wilson first got there, he was carried by his defense the uh, Legion of Boom. I mean, Wilson really wasn't that much of a dynamic playmaker, but really the last four or five years, I mean, 
I don't know if there's any other quarterback that's been more valuable to their team than Russell Wilson has been to Seattle. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm probably not as close into the franchise as Mac is, so I couldn't tell you what's going on um, inside of there. But, you know, as far as I know, Pete Carroll is a player's coach, and I've always thought of him as someone who's always had control of the locker room and everything. But you, you never know. I mean, uh, things can go south really quick. So, well, well, let me ask you back this. Do you think Russell Wilson will be playing in Seattle for the foreseeable future? I hope, I hope to God. <laughs> I, I think he will because I don't think Seattle will be any keen on dealing him. And despite their troubles with building an offensive line, I think they'll try to do what they can. I mean, we saw how they went out and got Gabe Jackson. I think that's going to provide instant improvement to the line. They actually drafted a 6'9 guy out of Florida, Stone Forsythe. Uh, so I'm hoping he can develop and be a piece of the offensive line. So I'm hoping that this relationship gets smoothed out for my own sanity. Yeah, I bet. I know when the reports came out earlier this year, all Seahawks fans were like, what the heck? You know, scratching their heads. Exactly. So we'll see. Kevin, last question before we get out of here. Uh, one word, who's your team? Who's your NFL team? You know, it's funny you say that, Gary. I really don't have an NFL team. Okay. I know that. I know that's bad. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in – I'm from Stockton, so, you know, obviously the NorCal teams uh, – the 49ers and the Raiders. Actually, I think the Raiders were in L.A. when I was growing up. And then they moved back here to Oakland in, what is it, the mid-90s or something like that. So, you know, I, I, I honestly, I'll say this. Really, the team that I loved throughout um, the, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, my high school, college career, I was a huge Vikings fan. Okay. Huge Vikings <laughs> fan. And part of the reason why is Randy Moss. I, 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 I love Randy Moss. He's, he's one of my favorites of all time and um, just huge. Uh, so I, I, I've always really enjoyed the Vikings, at least since Moss got there in 98. And then when Brett Favre went there in 2009 or 10, I became a fan as well. So, But yeah, I don't, I don't really have a team. I mean, when I lived in Atlanta, uh, this was actually exciting. When I went off to college in Atlanta in 2000, that was when Michael Vick was drafted first overall. Uh, in the uh, 2001 draft. So I went, you know, the Georgia Dome was maybe half a mile from my dormitory in college. So we would go there and go to Falcons games a lot. So I kind of became a Falcons fan when I was living um, and, 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 and Georgia. And then when I, when I was in Texas just a few years ago, I covered Cowboys games every other weekend. So I became kind of a Cowboys fan. So I think because I lived all over the place, I've never really been a diehard uh, fan. I just... I don't know. I like, I guess you could just say, I, I don't know. I, I really don't have a super hard, I'm not really a diehard of any particular team. Got you, got you, got you. I just love the sport. There you go. Mm -hmm. That's all As that matters. As we all do. <laughs> right? <laughs> who's your, who's, uh, Mac, I know you're a big Seahawks fan. Gary, who's your team, uh, your football team? Yeah, I'm a Steelers fan. That's why I was hoping to oh, that's get right. Rodgers. <laughs> that's right, Steelers. Yeah. You, it's interesting, both of you guys here in Sacramento, but both of your teams are in different states. Right? <laughs> that's funny. I was born near Seattle, so I have an excuse. They won oh. when I was a kid, so they caught me when I was a kid. So that's what you know. <laughs> that's what I was. And I'm gonna lie, my whole family's Cowboys fan, so I'm a little hater on the Cowboys. I always admit that. And everyone around me is also a Niner fan, so you know I like to get at those guys too. So I think it's kind of fun that way. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it, there, there's nothing uh, more fun than ragging somebody's team. Like, you know, it's funny you say that. Um, the Niners, I, like I said, I, I've always enjoyed them. And one of my good friends is a Seahawks fan. So, you know, in 2013, 2012, you know, the Niners, Seahawks, that was one of the best rivalries, I would say, in, in probably all of the divisions. Um, mm-hmm. It's obviously not what it is now, what it was, you know, six, seven years ago. But um, we used to, and I went to a few of those games between the Niners and uh, the Seahawks. And I, I, I just, you know, that here in the West, the NFC West, that, that's really been one of the best uh, – one of the best divisional rivalries I've seen in the last 15 years or whatnot. So agreed. And the, and the Steelers, I got to say, you guys up in the AFC North, man. I I, I mean, it looks like it's going to be Cleveland's, you know, for the foreseeable future. I, it looks like Cleveland's going to start taking the the AFC title uh, or the AFC North titles on that. So hopefully, uh, Pittsburgh can uh you know s- slow them down a little bit. And oh Cincinnati's no, Cincinnati's not that far behind. I don't know, Kevin. I'd rather give it to the Ravens, but you know what? I'm not going to say anything. You know, we can't go deep dive into that just yet. <laughs> Ravens, I don't know. I think they had that one dynamic year when Lamar Jackson won MVP. What was that, two years ago? I I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't see the Ravens dominating that um, division for a long period of time. And that's not, because I'm a long, uh, that's not because I'm a Lamar Jackson hater or anything. I think he's dynamic. I think Lamar Jackson is one of the best things to happen to the NFL in the last 10 years, but... I just don't see the Ravens being that team um, to be. I, I, I honestly see Cleveland um, running that division for the next several years. So we'll uh, see. Kevin's getting at my heart right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's all love. It's all love. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's all love. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this well, I would say week, but I guess it's our second of the week. That's going to do it for this episode mm. of No Limits with Gary and Mac. Again, we want to say a big thank you to Kevin John, ABC 10 reporter, for joining us for this episode. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. Mac and Gary, it was great talking to the both of you guys. I wish you guys much success. Continue doing what you're doing. And all I ask is that you remember the little people when you guys blow up and have your own <laughs> podcast, TV show, whatever the heck it is. Just remember the little people. Always. <laughs> thank you, Kevin. Appreciate you coming. Anytime, man. God bless you guys. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out all the other stories and podcasts on StateHornet.com. And we'll see you for the next episode of No Limits. Peace.